trading at 13 rand 38 to the US dollar, 17 rand 25 to the pound sterling, and 15 rand 26 to the euro. The euro is at $1.14, the dollar trading at 114.12 Japanese yen. The Chinese yuan is at 1 rand 96, and in India, 1 rand is worth 4 rupees 81. In Nigeria, 1 US dollar is trading at 305 naira. In Kenya, dollar costs 103 shilling 75, and in Botswana, 1 dollar is changing hands at 10 pula 36. On the stock markets, the JSE closed Friday's trading session in mixed territory. The all-chain index declined by 0.7% to 51,900. Financials lost 0.8% and the Industrials 25 index was 0.5% down. Top 10 resources index dropped by 1%. The platinum mining index was 2.9% lower and the gold board lost 3%. On the capital market, the yield on the R186 government bond closed at 8.91%. European markets ended flat on Friday. Britain's FTSE 100 uh, added 0.2%, the CAC 40 in France 0.1% down, and Germany's DAX 0.1% up. Markets in the United States uh, closed higher. This after data showed stronger than expected U.S. jobs growth. The Dow Jones gained 0.4%. Stock markets in Asia are trading mostly higher at this hour. China's consumer prices increased by 1.5% year-on-year in June, which is the same rate of price increases as in May, keeping the consumer price inflation rate at its highest level since January. And producer prices rose by 5.5% in June, also the same as in May, but the 10th straight month of increasing producer prices. Japan's Nikkei has gained 1%, Hong Kong Hang Seng 0.9% firmer, mainland China Shanghai Composite Index is 0.2% down, Australia's ASX or Ordinary Share Index 0.5% higher, and the Sensex on India's Bombay Stock Exchange has added 0.6%. And finally, looking at commodities, gold trading at $1,210, platinum at $902 per ounce, the price of Brent crude oil, $47.10 a barrel. And we joined in studio this morning by Fundi Swankuta, research analyst and chartered accountant. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Better now that I'm seeing you. Nice surprise. Yeah. But uh, let's start by taking a look at uh, the U.S. employment data that came out on Friday. Um, slightly unexpected? Yes. So you did mention that stock markets closed high on Friday, and that's because we expected the U.S. economy to generate 178,000 jobs, which is a lot. And they ended up producing 222,000 jobs, which is way above expectation. And we also saw that the unemployment rate went up slightly from the 4.3% 16-year low, imagine 4.3%, and it went up uh, slightly to 4.4%. And the reason why we saw so many jobs created but unemployment went up slightly is because it's a seasonal adjustment. So as we know in America, um, it's the summertime. Summertime is when they have a lot of hires because there's more economic activity in in the economy. So you'll have students coming in to do part-time jobs, as well as you'll have new grads who just graduated in May entering the labor force. And what we've also seen is people who left the labor force 10 years ago are now re-entering because their jobs becoming available and the labor markets become so tight. And testament to this is that we saw that most of the jobs that were created were in the services industry, which is the industry which usually booms in the U.S. economy during the month of June, July. And we saw that there was an, a, a huge focus on leisure and hospitality. So, as I said, um, 
the economy is quite tight in terms of jobs and we're seeing that the U.S. economy is reaching full employment, which is now at 4.4%. And what we're now expecting to see is that wage inflation is going to start ticking up because businesses will be forced to pay you more because you have so many options. There's so many companies wanting you to come to their employment. So you'll see that they will increase their wages in order to attract employees to come into their um, companies. And as you mentioned with the headlines, we saw that this is very positive for the U.S. economy. We, it's the support of a firmer dollar. We saw that the stock markets improved as well as it would be supportive of a Fed rate hike. Mm. And then Ghana. So Ghana is the latest African borrower to be making noise about issuing a euro bond. Tell us more about this. Um, I love Ghana. It's such a great African country. And Ghana has, has announced that they're planning to issue a $2 billion 10-year eurobond. And typically in East African countries, we'll see they'll issue T-bills, uh, which is short-dated bonds of one, two years. And we know with South Africa, we have a weekly bond issue on Tuesday. And our issues are usually much the range of, of 10 years. And you'd ask why they're issuing a euro bond. And the reason is that Nana, uh, the president of Ghana, Nana Ako Ado, came into power in December. And in, and in his election speech in December 2016, he mentioned how he really wants to revive the Ghanaian economy. He wants to ensure job creation. He wants to ensure that there's a build, there's an industrial economy that's been built in Ghana. And in order to do that, you need to get foreign denominated, um, access to funding because the the goods which you'll be buying in order to create these infrastructure projects will be denominated in dollars. As well as because the structure of the Ghanaian economy, you can't actually get local funding of $2 billion as well as a, a, a tenure of 10 years. So they had to go out, they have to go out into European bond market in order to get access to liquid and a deep market which has appetite for that kind of funding. And on that note, um, Sakina, I don't know if you remember, but I was way too young to even remember this. But in the mid-2000s, we saw that a lot of African countries got debt forgiveness from agencies yeah. such as the IMF and the World Bank and yeah. other commercial banks. I have no recollection, so <laughs> I, had to, I had to research on this. So the debt levels have been low compared to historic figures, and it's then meant that African countries have the capacity in order to get more debt. And since 2006, we've seen countries across the African continent issuing more foreign currency bonds aggressively. So, for example, you see the likes of Nigeria. They issued, um, since 2011, about $3 billion worth of foreign currency denominated bonds. And just to, just to highlight how aggressive this is, is that before 2006, South Africa was the only sub-Saharan country which issued foreign currency bonds. And now since then, they've revved up the spending, which becomes a bit tricky now when we have issues such as depreciation of currencies, as we saw in Nigeria. And then you have a commodity slump. And that then says, how are countries going to be able to repay back that debt? Mm. Because the debt obligations are not increasing and then you shift your money away from spending on social programs and you put it more towards repaying and servicing debt so it becomes a tricky mix between we need funding but also how is our economy um producing how is it how's the health of the economy in order for you to plow back into paying off your debt
Well, Fulisa, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, we'll expect you to keep up the very high standard of coming to studio. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> But thanks so much for coming through. And that was, of course, Fundiswa Nkuta, research analyst and chartered accountant.